Hello everyone, my name is Vidushi Sandhir. Welcome to the Deeply Simple Podcast. What we do here is right in the name. We break down deep concepts around mental health and wellness into simpler tools that can become a part of our routine and habits. If you want more resources, if you want to give me feedback or suggestions on future topics, or if you want to work with me, visit my website at www.deeplysimple.info and drop me a line. And I'm very glad that you're here. Let's get started. Today, I want to talk about food safety. Anybody who knows me, friends or family, know that I'm very, very passionate about uh, the safety of the food we consume and specifically being aware of what's there in the ingredients of every single packaged item. Um, I, I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm coming at this from the point of view of a consumer who has researched items to make healthier choices for me and my loved ones. Now, this is a bigger uh, podcast topic, so I'm going to divide this into two parts. The first part, I'm going to focus on certain ingredients which have been shown to have some level of toxicity and unfortunately these ingredients are found in commonly consumed items in American households. In the second topic, second part, I'm going to talk about certain resources that we can use to start becoming more aware as consumers and make intelligent choices. So for today, let's dive into the ingredients. Cancer is the second leading cause of death in the US. Physical and chemical agents are one of the top 10 causes of cancer and a lot of chemical agents are actually consumed not only through the, the water, the environment, but also through food, which is why I want to talk about ingredients. Now, there are five ingredients that I specifically want to touch upon, but there are actually many, many more that I haven't even begun to research yet. You will often find that FDA, which is Food and Drug Administration, lists an ingredient as safe and states that low level of exposure is not dangerous. However, what it fails to account for is repeat and prolonged exposure that can lead to accumulation of toxins in our body, in the soil or in the environment. If there is a product that you're consuming, consuming every single day, the idea is not to look only at the level of toxin in daily serving, but how much toxicity are you consuming over a period of time. So let's dive into our first ingredient. BHT, butylated hydroxytoluene. I'm pretty sure I butchered the name there, but you get the gist. BHT. It's a lab-made chemical that is added to foods as a preservative. Now, there are studies that suggest it's an endocrine disruptor. It impacts testosterone and it sort of acts as estrogen. So it can cause, it can have adverse effects on reproductive cycles. Some studies have also shown that it has carcinogenic effects. BHT is banned in Canada, Japan and European Union. One product that has BHT is Honey Bunch of Oats with almonds, a very commonly used product and sold in grocery stores. CPG companies in the US argue that they use BHT in very small quantity and that quantity is deemed safe by FDA. So going back to my earlier point, some of these products are used in families every single day. So we have to think about not just the amount of BHT in one serving, but the potential exposure to the chemical over a period of time. The second is potassium bromate. This is often added to breaded products to increase their shelf life. 
Many studies suspect that this is a carcinogen. On studies involving animals, potassium bromate was known to cause kidney and thyroid cancer. So if you see bromated flour, for example, that means it has potassium bromate, but usually it's also listed specifically as an ingredient. Because of the concerns that I just listed, this is actually banned in European Union, India, China, Australia, New Zealand, Nigeria, but not in the US. Moving on to the third ingredient, which I think is the most important to create awareness around, it's just so, so important, is red. It's also known as Allura Red or Red 40. It's a food dye that's made from petroleum. It is suspected that Red 40 exacerbates concentration issues, hyperactivities and other behavioral issues in kids. Red 40 and many other dyes are actually referred to as neurotoxins in certain circles. The American Academy of Pediatrics has suggested removing them from children's diets. Now, the name red might lead you to believe that the product has to be red in order to have this dye. But in reality, it does not. Red 40 enhances the overall shine and color of a product. So I would suggest looking into the ingredient list, even if your item, a packaged item, is not red in color. The saddest thing, I think, is that these synthetic dyes, such as Red 40, are often used to give a false impression that the food has a serving of fruits and veggies, while in reality, it has a serving of chemicals. So my new mantra has been to look for products that does not have any artificial colors added. Red 40, because of the concerns I listed, is banned in UK and Switzerland. There might be many more countries that I haven't even begun to research where it's banned. Some common products with Red 40 are Kellogg's Fruit Loops and Cap'n Crunch Berries. Now we come to an exciting ingredient, carrageenan. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know if it's carrageenan or carrageenan. It's like that celebrity that keeps making news and no one can really make up their mind if they like them or not. Carrageenan is used to thicken products. So they have that gelling, emulsifying effect. And they're extracted from natural red seaweed. So which would like, you know, make you think that, oh, it's, it's a natural product, but that's not the whole truth. Now, the reason for a controversial status for carrageenan arises for many reasons, one of which is that there are two types of carrageenan. So there's a little bit of confusion that causes the controversy. The two types of carrageenan are degraded and undegraded. Degraded carrageenan has been linked to cancer via multiple studies. They have, and also linked to IBS, colon cancer, immune suppression, inflammation. And this type of carrageenan, degraded, is not used in food products. The second type of carrageenan, undegraded, is allowed in food. Unfortunately, there isn't sufficient research yet to understand the impact of undegraded carrageenan on human beings. But many individuals who had gastrointestinal issues reported significant improvement upon eliminating carrageenan from their diets. And this was obviously undegraded carrageenan, where there isn't enough research, but we are listening to a lot of anecdotal evidence where people are seeing shifts, positive shifts in their health if they eliminate carrageenan. FDA itself almost banned its use in the 1970s, but then it didn't. Now, many woke consumers started questioning if they really needed to add carrageenan in their diet. It has like no nutritional benefit. And the only thing that would be that you would see is if you have an oat milk with carrageenan, it will be milkier than an oat milk without carrageenan. 
and consumers were like, do we really need to consume a chemical just to have a little bit more creaminess? So a lot of consumers put a lot of pressure because they didn't want products with carrageenan. And even though FDA did not ban carrageenan, a lot of CPG brands responded to where their consumers were headed and started branding their products as free from carrageenan. And this is something that you can observe if you walk into your grocery aisle and you look at the products there, you'll be able to see that certain products are specifically advertised to not have carrageenan. Now, like I mentioned, because it's used as an emulsifier, carrageenan is used in plant-based milk. It can be used in nut butters. But unfortunately, it's also very commonly added to whipped cream, which made me very sad because that was a regular item in our household. Not anymore. And finally, the last one, PFAs, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. I think there is relatively more information around this, which is why I chose to cover this the last now, these are a class of man-made chemicals and are often used to make things stickless. So think about non-stick cookware or things that are resistant to water or grease, you know, things resistant to water, stain and grease, basically. So they are, are you know, used in a lot of packaging and wrapping materials of food items. PFAs have been linked with altered immune system and thyroid function, cancer and most recently eczema. Now, this category is tricky because they are pretty hard to avoid altogether. Unfortunately, there is an accumulation to some degree in the soil, aquatic life and environment. However, there are products with PFAs that can be eliminated from our diet because these products are actually not essential to our nutrition. One such item would be sparkling water. I was a fan, I am a fan, I have to say this in the present tense and this really hit me hard. Some brands with detectable PFAs include Topo Chico, Polar Spring, LaCroix. And again, certain individuals and consumers, they eliminated the sparkling water from their diet and they saw changes in like um, various symptoms such as eczema or uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, I know this is a lot of information to digest. And if you or your family consumes some of the products I mentioned, you might feel resistance to eliminating them. I felt the same when I realized that I might have to stop using whipped cream or sparkling water. You might also find sufficient evidence asserting that low exposure is safe. At the end of the day, the decisions you make for yourself and your family are your accountability. I would only leave you with a nudge to gain more information about what you are consuming, especially things that we do not grow but consume from cans, boxes, packages. And just research a little bit to determine what is worth consuming frequently by you and your loved ones. Thank you for listening. This content was a little different from the kind of content I share on my website, which is primarily around mental health, wellness, spirituality, and mindfulness. Uh, I'm definitely going to post part two of the podcast to share resources that I use to gain more knowledge and awareness around food safety. You can check out more podcasts at www.deeplysimple.info. When I'm not researching food products, I'm actually a mindfulness meditation coach so if you want to work with me and create a more mindful lifestyle you can schedule an exploratory call with me by reaching out through my website i look forward to hearing from you and i will see you in part two of this episode